This is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, I'm here with Joel Norman. Joel, thanks for taking time out of your day. Hey, Dave. How are you today? I'm good. It's weird. So you're going to be listening to this just in audio, but we're doing it with video. So it's super bizarre and awkward for me, but I think we're going to work through it. Never done it this way before. Um, okay, that's me being transparent. Now, uh, I was going to say, I work with a lot of developers. Eye contact's one of those weird things we work through it. <laughs> those are nice shoes, Dave. Thank you. All right. Um, so before we get into the topic, Joel, could you explain to these fine people what you do? So, yeah, Dave, if I am a... Uh, I'm a technical consultant slash coach for Leading Agile. Okay. So what I do in my role is I serve our clients with the ability to do uplifting of technical practices like software coding and even to software strategy and also portfolio type of software management. So kind of one of those consultants that wears multiple hats and solves the problem of software because often what I'm starting to see, Dave, is the, the coding gap on yeah. the ground on the keyboard is often a symptom of the software strategy in the portfolio room. Okay. So I spent a lot of time gravitating between those tiers. Okay. So we walk into an organization. Mm -hmm. They've got a bunch of people. They want to be able to do a bunch of agile stuff. Mm -hmm. The team is only doing manual testing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of communication issues, tons of technical debt. Mm -hmm. They don't understand why they can't release 100 times a day like Google. Mm -hmm. And then you would come in and you would say, I would say, how can I help? And I would start looking at, uh, you'd say, looking. oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah. So I would start to look at, uh, the data and look at the flow I'd map the factory floor or the software development cycle. Okay. And I would start looking at where the bottlenecks are and play chase, you know, chase the constraint. If your okay. theory is a constraint person or chase the, the pacemaker, if you're a lean person, we won't argue about which is better. Okay. But ideally what I'll do is I'll help an organization become better at producing software and illustrate where the gap is. Maybe it's not a software problem. Maybe okay. it's a ide ideation or flow of work problem or a governance model problem. Okay. Or, or some, or it could be a skill problem or whatever, but or then a skill problem, identify right? this, this particular constraint, figure out how to remove it from being a blocker mm -hmm. for the system. Correct. Okay. And I understand that one of the common ways people like to do this is with a dojo, yep. which my understanding of dojos is somewhat limited. It's basically rooted in my watching of tons of 1970s Kung Fu movies or the Karate Kid, the series. But it's basically the space in which the martial arts practitioners go to practice their craft and improve their skills. Right? Correct. So what's happened recently, you know, companies like Target, Walmart, uh, Capital One have started building and investing in these things. I'm going to call them a thing, but it's really an organization called a dojo. Okay. And just like in martial arts, a dojo is a place where you can go get hyper-focused training and uplift your skills. And I've actually ran some of these for some of our clients. Uh, would you like to hear about them? Yeah, I sure would. <laughs> so this is my firsthand experience. So we had a you know, I was hoping you'd say yes, else we'd have nothing to talk about. Um, so we had a client that wanted to run an experiment. They could hire some really top-end software developers out of college. Right. But they were having trouble integrating them into their legacy organization with the skill sets necessary. And mm -hmm. so what they said was, can you take these, I think it was eight developers, of all about similar skill level, straight out of college, you know, your classic, you know, junior, fresh... Yep. 
Can I pause you for one second? When you say straight out of college, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong in this, but I'm assuming that somebody coming out with a computer science degree is going to have knowledge, basic high-level knowledge of some stuff that was probably cutting edge five, six years ago. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the people. This is fun. So uh, not talking about people is fun, but talking about what I learned. <laughs> uh, so we had, a, I think in this group, and, and, I, and I can't remember exactly, we had a, I think we had a computer engineer, okay. um, a master's, no, he had a master's in computer engineering. We had a person that had a master's in data science. We had someone that had a degree in computer science. We had someone that had a degree in MIS, and then we had a, a, a business accounting person. And I didn't know any of this when I started working with them. Okay. Funny story is the business accounting person didn't know how to program before he went in the dojos. And he learned. I, I, so that's what I, I was going to assume that the business accounting person mm-hmm. was probably the easiest one to teach. Uh, no. Okay. No, no, no. The fundamental. They, the, you have less to fight through with them. Uh, no. So the, the okay. challenge was, you know, all that algorithms, all that math, all that flow control, the, the classically trained computer programmers, they had that day one. Okay. Right. They didn't have syntax problems. They had classic, uh, don't know how to apply these wonderful skills to the domain okay. uh, skill set. But okay. what happened was we took them in a room and we literally physically picked them up. I didn't pick them up, but we moved them. You had a guy pick them up for you. Yeah. We had facilities lock a room down. We had okay. all their managers told they're not allowed to talk to them, which was funny. You ever had that conversation before? I've had that conversation. It never works out in my favor, but. Yeah, so we, we literally secluded them, locked the door, okay. and we built a uh, Spring Boot application and deployed it to production. And I think I think my blog post has the numbers on it, but it was really fast for this organization. I think it was like 30 days. Okay. So we went from ideation to production in 30 days. The developers wrote the code in five days. What we sat around for 25 days doing, Dave, was waiting for laptops, waiting for permission to deploy, waiting for server space, waiting, 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 and waiting. Okay. And within that waiting, we started to see where dojos work and dojos don't work. So cool story was we took six people with fresh skills and we got them to have the test-driven development skills. We had the extreme programming skills installed in their their heads that they can mob and pair and work together as a group and deploy a REST a restful endpoint in 30 days. If they have that perfect environment when they go back right. to their desks. Because one of, those, one of those things in the dojo is we just go ahead when we run dojos, we implicitly say, you don't have to follow the rules. So we just get rid of all the organization bureaucracy. We get all rid of all the signatures that we can. And we just say, in a perfect world, can you do the simple thing? And you want to know what the answer normally is, Dave? yes yeah because not only not only do you have permission to do this the dojo sponsors they naturally want it to be successful yeah so it's not realistic conditions i was just thinking i started laughing because i'm thinking like it would work much better if you had like a pmo person come in periodically and yell at them for not filling out forms we had (laughs) or just turning servers off or things we had that that problem to start with and then the, the director came in and said you're not allowed to come talk to this team anymore and then PMO lurked outside the door for the next 90 days, knowing so, that when the dojo was over, nothing would really change. They'll still drive the show. Well, so that's the, that's the thing that seems really unfair is you're teaching these people 
practices they can't actually use. Pretty giving much. them tools that will be taken away from them the second they walk out of the door of this room. Right. And not only did you just invest and prove something's possible, you yeah. gave people skills and then you annoyed them because it's like, I now know a better way, but I can't do it. And what happens to those people? Well, they leave or okay. they just give up and they become apathetic and become resistant to change. Because they'll go back and they'll say, you know what? They sent me this training. Yeah. But they don't allow me to do it. That would just create confusion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because in, in the classes that I teach, mm -hmm. one of the things I mentioned at the end is that when I, I had a job at a big consulting company, mm -hmm. I really wanted to do Agile. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to the point after trying for about two years where I realized there's no way this is going to happen here. And then I decided the only way I'm going to be able to do this is if I go to a place that I already can. It still took three jobs before I found a place that could actually do it. Mm -hmm. But the moment that I acknowledged that this was not a problem I was going to be able to solve at this big company, mm -hmm. I stopped caring entirely. And I just, I was just, I was gone. Yeah. And that's what's one of, one of the things that's plaguing dojos. So I, I talk to people in network. I talk to people that are at these large companies is they come in and they run these dojos. And when people leave the dojo, nothing really changes. Yeah. And then the natural response after that is, well, we just need more dojos. And in fact, you'll hear people say, if we just send everyone to the dojo, it would be better. And what they don't get is, you know, there's two reasons and I'll pick on that in a second, but there's two reasons that's incredibly powerful statement. Because if you could put everyone in a dojo, life would be good. Because the leadership would give you permission to break all the rules. So the laws of physics. Isn't the company at that point actually the dojo? Yeah. But why aren't they becoming the dojo, Dave? Because they want everything to be changed without them having to change. Exactly. Yeah. So what happens is you get this cycle where you run a dojo, you run a training class, you mm -hmm. run an uplift, you create the perfect clearings and conditions for about six weeks. And, and then back into it. Yeah. Because what happens is there's not an intent to make the change last. So one of the things we see in dojos is you'll run a dojo. People get, see what could be, they get the hope and the promise of what could be. Yeah. And so of course leadership says, here's more money, run more dojos. But then after about a year, what happens? The dojos haven't really changed anything. Right. There's a smattering of people with skills but they're not aligned to making the change stick. And you're still going through 13 steps to release software with wet ink signatures. Yeah. And no one's willing to look at that. And I'm not sure why. Do you, do you know? No, but I have a potential alternative. What's your alternative? Um, there's a, I don't know if this will work or not. So I'm going to see if this, if this works. There's a couple organizations that we work with who send all their people to mm -hmm. my CSM and CSPO classes, like mm -hmm. it's required. Mm -hmm. The organizations do not do Scrum. Mm -hmm. They have their own version of Agile and there's levels of complexity in these companies that make Scrum impossible. You couldn't mm -hmm. do it the way it's designed. They send everybody to the classes so that they have a common baseline understanding of what Scrum is. And then when they get back, they put them through additional training to teach them how Agile is done at that organization. So mm -hmm. could you have a model 
where you have the dojo. Everybody goes and learns TDD mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And then there's another like second tier mm -hmm. where you teach them, and this is what you can actually use and how you can use it in our jacked up half waterfall organization. That works, but you. But why would you invest in a dojo? When yeah, I don't know, you, I'm just. Gonna, I, mean, like, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't yeah, have a good answer works, for it. But I'm just, it goes back to the fundamental thing: is when you start talking about continuous delivery practices, you either want them or you don't. Yeah. Now you can teach people how to do them, but when your cycle time and lead time is 18 months to deploy a piece of software, yeah. we're living in the age where your software has to go out the door. You know, overnight, 18 months, a competitor could spring up and compete with you. Um, so when he, when I look at a dojo model, I look at it as there's pre-work to a dojo saying, what, what are the real constraints of the organization we can't change? Yeah. And then when, in, when we're in that dojo, let's have a curriculum that teaches us how to do these practices in the context of the organization the, the alumni will be exiting into. Well, and, and ultimately, what problem are we trying to solve with all of this right. work? Because if we don't have that, dojos aren't going to help anybody with anything. Right. And that's one of those, that's the number one challenge I see with dojos. There's a lack of focus. Do they, you think that, that there's a lack of awareness within the organization as to why they would be pursuing these, you know, XP or whatever it is, like why these practices matter to the organization? Maybe, maybe that's not been communicated down to the technology level. But do mm -hmm. you think that leadership understands why, or do you think they just want the agile because they read Jeff's book and it sounds cool? Uh, I think it's twofold. Okay. I think they don't understand because they haven't been exposed to it. Okay. But I also think there's a, a, a desire, depending on where you are in the organization, to implement which has been known to work elsewhere, and it's a safety play. So if I just get everybody certified in you know, CSM, yeah. I can put out my quarterly progress report that we're now an Azure organization, argue to me that we're not. We all certified scrum masters, right? right? We stand up in all of our meetings. We stand okay. up and our Gantt charts are now stored in Jira. We are an Agile organization. <laughs> Nobody gets fired <laughs> for hiring IBM. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's the same thing with dojos because, you know, the big players like Target, Walmart, all these big players are doing it. So why wouldn't we do it? Right. It's, it's just like Amazon. But it's very it. cargo cult though. I mean, it's, well, it's it, it, you're not, you're not looking at the problem. You're looking right. at behaviors that other people have made part of a solution and you're thinking it's the whole solution. And this is probably not going to win me favor on my, amongst my peers in these community groups. But yeah, the, the glaring but, cha challenge with dojos is they don't really solve the problem by themselves. But you're not saying that the dojos aren't valuable. I mean, I'm assuming that your position is they are really valuable for the people in them in understanding how these skills can be applied in the right kind of situation. I, I would think they're valuable into a point where, yes, if my employer wants to send me to training to get CSM, mm -hmm. and I know that's the one thing that's limiting me from getting my next job, that's incredibly valuable to me because I'm going to go get my CSM certification. Sure. But if this is just to send people to get a skill without giving them permission to practice it in the yeah. organization, it's harmful because ignorance is bliss. If I don't understand continuous delivery. Yeah, you're still in the cave. You haven't walked outside yet. Right. It's I've read the book, but I don't think it's possible. And then all of a sudden I do the impossible at this organization sitting in with my work laptop. Yeah. That's just going to frustrate me. And I'm going to end up packing up and leaving or become very cynical. Because 
why would I want to continue to practice the archaic, I, I know I'm going to say archaic practice of manual software testing Yeah. when I can go get a better job elsewhere that Not can utilize these that skills way. and probably make more money doing it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, I mean, you, you might be showing them how things could be in a dojo mm-hmm. and that could be very frustrating to them. Is it the job of the person leading the dojo to provide them with hope that it can be different elsewhere or, or is it, does that responsibility lie in the person who's decided we should have dojos? So, so let's just talk about setting up dojos in a, okay. a large company, how I think how we should set it up. So first of all, there should be a centralized strategy. So let's say you have 500 uh, developers, which is okay. a mid-sized company. You're, so you're writing it down. And let's say there's 10 developers per team. That's what, 50 teams? Yep. And each, you know, it's probably not true, but let's say there's 50 different products or 50 different systems. Somewhere in that arithmetic should be a, a priority list for change. Mm-hmm. And then you should sit down and you should figure out what your, your, your product roadmap is. What is that thing you actually need to build in the future? Right. And then you should run one of those. Don't you have a master's in uh, project management, Dave? I do. Yeah. So you should run a gap analysis. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And you should not only look at <laughs> actually, the gap. I should hire a consulting firm to do that for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And track it on the Gantt chart. Uh, but you should hire, you should do a gap analysis of. Yeah. Where you want to go, where you are today, and then devise dojos that help uplift the teams to add the most value to that roadmap. Right? Okay. Your dojo should be in alignment with your, your product roadmap. So, for example, if you have a COBOL mainframe system that gets deployed once a year, right? you might not want to send that group to a dojo <laughs> until, the, <laughs> until maybe the iOS team right, that has to deploy um, you know, quarterly can actually yeah. deploy quarterly. What do you think? Yeah, I'm struggling with sending the cobalt people anywhere other than to the glue factory. Well, one of the funny things is like, so one of the funny things, Dave, is there are these massive cobalt systems that run a mainframe. Yeah. That you can do continuous deployment with. If only you ran them through a sophisticated training and bought tools. So you can do all the, you can do continuous deployment with cobalt. It's just the habits of behavior. Okay. It's a habit of behavior. But going back to setting up the organization is if you knew the value of all the things and all the products in your backlog yeah. and you knew the risk, you could do some type of prioritization to align your dojo structure to get you where you want to go. Okay. And also when you started running those dojos, if the dojos had feedback loops such as, hey, did you know that PMO requires 37 wet signatures of for some type of deployment and we think that's archaic but a big four consulting firm real conversation i had with a friend who's not a client of ours big four consulting firm told them they needed wet signatures so they couldn't do continuous deployment right you could take that feedback and take it back to your leadership and say you know that roadmap you want to build (laughs) (laughs) right we can't get there from here because someone said this thing has to happen with wet signatures and the dojo isn't going to fix the wet signature problem, yeah. right? That's a corporate governance thing. The dojo is going to show you <laughs> what yeah. could be, but then right. at that point you have to decide, is this something I want to fix or do I not want to fix? So okay. when setting these up, I mean, like this is the third time I'm going to say it because it's important is align it to your roadmap, build a backlog and use the dojo as a mechanism to get you where you're going. Don't just form dojos and hope 
if you train enough people, it'll work. It'll fix itself. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's only going to be part of the solution, not the whole solution. Right. In the same way that I would say, and we've done podcasts about this before, that CSM mm -hmm. or CSPO training is important and valuable, but is not fixed transformation. Right. It's the same problem. And, and the, the other thing is you got to be aware of the anti-patterns of dojos. Do you want to go there? Sure. So this Wait, is- Before we do, I just want to, yeah. I want to catch yeah. up with one thing first. I want to restate the position of where we are with this. Dojos are not bad. Doing dojos without understanding why you're doing them is bad. Yep. If you are doing them and you know what problem they're meant to solve, you have to acknowledge that it's probably only going to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you with one thing before we move on to anti-patterns. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like to be responsible with this, there's got to be a mechanism for taking – in the dojo, we do things in a perfectly designed environment, but we know that this other thing's lurking outside. We have mm -hmm. to have a mechanism for capturing that and yes. feeding that back up. Yes, you have to have that. If you don't have those fundamental things, your dojos aren't going to affect lasting change. Okay. Actually – if developers keep leaving, that is lasting change, probably change you don't want. <laughs> okay. All <laughs> you're, right. You're now I'm ready to talk but about it. Let, let's talk about the antipatterns. So there's two okay. of them, right? So dojos are quickly becoming political organizations to make your moves internally, right? So it used to be I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the director of DevOps. Oh, I want this be, is an anti-pattern and also a tip. Yeah, a tip. So watch Career out tip. on this. Yeah. So we if you want to climb, do this. Yeah. So if you want to climb and your organization doesn't want <laughs> To, to you know you want to seem cool then start running your dojos partner with the director of devops and start running your dojos right? okay because what's happening is people you know everyone's looking for change dojos is a hot button dojos get money you get money you get to hire more coaches okay. the more coaches you have in a classic organization dave the more employees you have what do you have you got more stuff that isn't working and getting done. Yeah, but you also have more power. So you can build your dojo organization out to be this entire- your dojo army. Your dojo army that allow you to rise just with in partnership with the director of DevOps and the director of QA because they all have the same problems. So one of the things I've seen is dojos are becoming political mechanisms to uh, do, have build more army. influence. Right? Yeah. And so you said everyone's looking for, for change. I'm wondering if, if most people, I think some people are looking for change. I think most people just want to feel okay. What do you mean by that? They want to check the box. They want to feel like, hey, you know, I did the thing. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm going to set it up. And now I'm, like you said before, I'm in a safe place because I did the thing. I got the certificate. My dojo, right. I have one. Yeah, we got one of those. Just like, you know, Target, we got a dojo. We're going to do mm -hmm. the same things that Target worked. Let's not talk about the fact that we're a chicken farm. Um, <laughs> so when you're on the on the way back from the the Jira store, you yeah. stop off and get yourself some dojo. As long as you're pairing with the director of DevOps and the QA directors in the back seat, okay. So you, you get sarcasm. those people together. Yeah, <laughs> yes. sarcasm. But that's okay. one of the anti patterns. Is it's just becoming another buzzword that's creating another organization that serves no long term purpose or even short term purpose. Okay. It's, right. If your purpose is to change the organization and Correct. not build a a cult army within the company. Correct. It, okay. Not cargo cult. It. The other pattern I'm seeing is I'm starting to see consulting firms offer dojos because like I mentioned before, they don't solve the problem, but they make everyone feel good. So I can run a dojo for six to eight weeks 
yeah. deploy a production service, turn off everyone's certificates, get cake, yeah. right? And go, hey, let's get two dojo coaches. Imagine what we could do with two, two dojo coaches. Because when you start scaling this, and you start looking at 500 yeah. developers, 1,000 developers, 100,000 developers, it's going to take you several years to realize you have to intentionally scale it and you uh-huh. can't just scale it by running more. Okay. So it goes back to how do you run the dojo? Um, how do you set it up? And you set it up within your transformation framework. Okay. But those are the two anti-patterns or cheat sheets if you want to gain influence, depending on the way you look at it. Yeah. Is if you want to make a lot of money, start a dojo company and sell a good feeling and don't make change. If you want to grow your fluence, partner with the director of a DevOps, build that DevOps dojo, right? Maybe director of product can get in there, build that product dojo, get a bunch of coaches, grow the ranks of your armies. And then I don't know what you do after that. (laughs) Okay. So I want to, I have a question about the second anti-pattern now. (laughs) I can see where somebody would say, I need to see it work the way it's supposed to work. I get that in class all the time. And I'm very, something like super basic. Mm -hmm. People say, I need to see an example of a good user story. Mm -hmm. My response is, I'm not going to give you one because if I do, that's the only user story you're ever going to write. I need you to understand the structure and then figure out how to go back and get better at it on your own. Same thing with dojos. Okay. So uh, what's the ideal dojo? Well, I would say you a lagging, a leading, a leading or lagging indicator is you're making him meeting your commitments on your product, product roadmap. That's a really long window to look at. Yeah. And if your first dojo is, I need to even understand if it's even, can I get the responsibilities to deploy a piece of software when I'm allowed to break all the rules? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I at least fit all those people into a room, Right. Because sometimes you'll find out it takes 37 people to deploy software. Yeah. And you can't get them in a room. So if you start with your first dojo as a spike to understand, to seek to understand, can my org even do this? That's amazing. But you've already started off with the premise of, I need to understand if I can do this. Yeah. What you do with your next step is, do you keep doing that without changing anything? Or do you intentionally change things to make it better, which is in alignment with of where you want to go. Right. I think you brought up uh, the, the hidden gem of value in this conversation mm-hmm. that was not sort of on the docket is doing this stuff is often not about doing this stuff. It's about what it teaches you about. Absolutely. Like I always say that when you do a pilot, it's not to figure out how to do Agile. It's to figure out how badly Agile is going to jack up the company when you try to do it. In the same way that the dojo is going to surface all the stuff that's like, well, yeah, but we can't do that because you said we could break all the rules. And if we break these rules, everything stops. Exactly. You've hit it on the head. So there's this meta level value of the dojo, which is if you're paying attention, it's teaching you the gap. And the most of the time, Dave, that feedback loop of what's not going to work or those conversations of, we just can't get there from here, don't happen. And it's just meaningless mean, meaningless rituals that teach some localized skills and, and long-term transformational change doesn't happen. Okay. So, so with a diligent mindset and some discipline, mm-hmm. these the dojos could be used to teach you these things, but the problem is that most people are kind of sleepwalking through it thinking it's going to fix problems. Yep. 
And I don't okay. even know if the word is sleepwalking is I don't think there's an understanding. Okay. So just a general lack of awareness. All right. Yeah. Because when you, when you read these blog posts, when you hear the conferences, you hear about all the great things. Dojo's Build the do. wooden airplane. The British will come back. Right. And, and, and really is in the back. And, you know, if you read my blog post, the conversations that you hear from people that are influencers as an industry is yeah. they keep on running into it. And I even asked one of my friends who worked at a very large company up until he just switched. And he says the biggest challenge with dojos in 2021 is executive sponsorship and buy-in and willingness to make the lasting change. Wow. So that's still a massive issue then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Up until now, it's all been localized at the manager to director to VP level within yeah. a slice of the organization, which explains why they're not successful because they can't influence the rest of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see in like, you know, five or 10 years when people have risen through the ranks being aware of that problem. If when mm-hmm. they get to the leadership spots, if they actually do something differently or not. I mm-hmm. mean, I think some of the folks there still maybe get a little bit of a hall pass because mm-hmm. they got to their big offices through the waterfall. And it's maybe unfair to expect them to switch at this point. Exactly. But cool. Well, if people want to further this conversation, first of all, you can check out the blog post. There's going to be a link in the show notes. But Joel, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn's probably the easiest way. Um, okay. Just had a, we have an infinite home. So I kind of abandoned Twitter or any other social media. Uh, to focus on what's really important in life. And uh, LinkedIn's the easiest way. My name's Joel Norman. I have hair in my photo. Um, at the time at the time we're recording this, I may not. You're listening to this from 10 years from now. Uh, who knows? Uh, miracle cure could have happened. I, hair won't be a big deal. Yes, maybe at all. You got your vaccine and all your hair grew back. <laughs> yeah, but uh, hit me on LinkedIn and love to hear your feedback. Um, actually, we have, I probably have 13 or 14 blog posts coming out in the next quarter. So cool. love to get your All feedback. Right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you taking time to do this. Yep. <laughs>